Hello, this is Michael Taylor with another edition of A Dash of Cold Water Economics. This is for the week ending the 3rd of January, uh, and it covers data from the release over the last two weeks uh, during the Christmas and New Year holidays. During that time, uh, there's very little data basically from Europe. Uh, there's a subnormal amount from the US, and there's a reasonably normal amount from Asia. From a shocks and surprises point of view, um, the data produced 12% uh, shocks and 18% surprises. The global six-week shocks and surprises signal uh, remained flat and marginally negative. Um, look at it, looking at it by regions, it was uh, there was a positive surprise from Asia, 18% uh, surprises and versus 15% shocks. And actually, in the week to the 3rd of January, this was the first net positive week since the first week of November. Uh, it was solidly negative from a largely absent US and uh, uniformly negative from uh, Europe, who I think was basically sofa bound. Let's start with the US. Um, the two weeks that we're looking at produced two sharply negative results for the US, uh, which together amounted to 8% surprises versus 27% shocks. What's more, the positive surprises that we're, we're getting are actually linked uh, very closely with the shocks that, that, that we're also getting. So let's start with the surprises, and that's um, from November's goods trade deficit, which shrank to 63.2 billion in November, which compares with a 75.7 billion deficit in uh, 2018, in November 2018, and a peak of 79.5 billion in December 2018. What's going on is basically uh, there's a waning appetite for imports. Uh, they, they were down 1.3% uh, month on month in November. Uh, consumer goods down 2.2%, capital goods down 2%, autos down 3.7%. Uh, Meanwhile, exports are doing okay. They were up 0.7%. Uh, so what we're looking at is a, a lack of um, import appetite. And that's linked to the rest of the bad data that we're getting because it's all about an inventory shakeout, which is ramifying not only through imports, but also through the rest of the U.S. industrial economy. If we look at total business inventory to sales ratio, um, by October, it was approaching the highs we last saw in 2016, primarily because inventories were piling up at um, retailers. Wholesalers, needless to say, uh, are the first responders in this, and they started cutting inventories in September, down 0.7%, and with no growth in either October or November. Though this is a, a so far unsuccessful attempt to wrestle down their inventory ratio, inventory sales ratios, which um, are still at their near cyclical peak of 1.37 times in October, with no sign yet that they're really being coming down. Further downstream, retailers holding of stock uh, is also now stalling. It stalled in October and fell 0.7% in November. So you can see through the distribution system, goods have been piling up. Now that distribution system is trying to get rid of them. And that is having an impact uh, not only on the trade balance, uh, doing great things for it, but it's also putting pressure on the US industrial sector generally. And that we saw in the most serious shock of the holiday season, which came from the uh, December ISM Manufacturing Index. I think this is uh, an important index. It's been reliable in the past. 
uh, and I think uh, unlike most PMIs, uh, we should uh, really trust it. Well, it was down uh, 0.8 points to 47.2 in December, which was its weakest since June 2009. And if you look at the details, uh, orders were down 0.4, but production dropped 5.9 points, 5.9 points. And this was enough to allow customer inventories to fall 3.9 points um, and backlogs rose uh, you know, very slightly. The ISM comes uh, freighted with commentary from various industrial sectors. And the one I think um, was really quite specific came from the machinery sector. And this is what they said, quote, dealer inventories have rebounded and overall customer market has softened, resulting in corrections to near-term production schedules and a tentative forecast outlook. In other words, this is all about inventory corrections. Um, and, you know, I think these are not, this is not yet through. That means in the near term, we should continue to expect um, the trade balance to look good, and we, but we should also continue to see the industrial sector looking weak. Turning to Asia, uh, its data flow was less disrupted uh, by the holidays uh, than either the US or Europe. And actually, the story turned, positively positive, turned modestly positive, 18% surprises versus 15% shocks. In fact, the latest week produced 23% surprises and only 13% shocks. And this was the first positive week for Asia since the beginning of November. It's really been that grim a period for, for Asia's data. <clears throat> What's perhaps most surprising about this is that much of this good news is coming from South Korea. And it's really not clear to me why South Korea should be cheering up. Um, household lending growth uh, continues to lose momentum pretty sharply. Broad liquidity measures are also losing momentum modestly, but kind of sustainedly. And there's really little in the hard trade and industry data that really that tells you that we've reached an obvious inflection point. For example, in uh, December, exports were down 5.2%, manufacturing production down 0.1% year on year. Nevertheless, there is enough positive data coming through to suggest that something is stirring, even if we don't understand why. November's retail sales were up 3% month on month. Uh, its services index were up, was up 1.4% month on month. Uh, the cyclical component of its leading index was up 0.4%. And even though December's imports fell 0.7%, they were still on a monthly movement, was up 0.7 standard deviations from uh, seasonalized historic trends. All of these were strong enough to either surprise consensus or break trend. But that's not all that was going on. There were also a number of positive kind of near misses too. Uh, Bank of Korea does uh, a monthly survey of uh, expected January conditions for manufacturers and non-manufacturers. And both of those arrived right at the top end of the sort of trend range. Uh, similarly, December's economic sentiment index was at the top end of the trend range. And the Nikkei manufacturing PMI came in at 50.1, which was the first... 50-plus uh, uh, results since April, and only the second since October 2018. So when you've got a sort of repeated messages that something is stirring, you've got to, I think, at least consider why, whether it might be telling us something. But to repeat, I think it's difficult to make a case for South Korea to be turning the corner just now. Uh, and I think that because of the work I do on its return on capital.
Although investment spending has been falling consistently since the second quarter of 2018, by my estimate, capital stock growth is still running at around 4.3%, um, with or without taking construction spending into account, whilst nominal GDP is limping along at about 1.3%. In these situations, asset turns cannot be rising. Uh, so it's difficult to believe that the fall in return on capital has been halted. In fact, by my calculations, it's still in freefall with little expectation of early turnaround. This is simply not the recipe for an upward inflection in South Korea's business cycle. So I have to confess, I don't really understand what's going on uh, in Korea, and we're going to have to look at that a little bit more closely. Elsewhere in Asia, the news is not so good. Uh, China's property markets in November look dull. Um, they do a survey of 70 cities, and of those, only a net 23 showed rising prices in the primary market. And that's the lowest net rate since uh, September 2017. In Singapore, uh, we also had atrocious uh, industrial production numbers in uh, for November, down 9.3. And what's killing that is the electronics sector, which was down 20.9% year on year, with a monthly movement that was 3.2 standard deviations below historic seasonal trends. And what's worse, there's no sector offering any kind of positive offset to rescue the situation. Finally, we've got to think about Hong Kong and in specifically at this point about its fiscal position because this quietly is continuing to crater alarmingly. In November, they had a 25.7 billion Hong Kong dollar deficit and that compares to an 18.2 billion surplus in November last year. Why? Well, it's not because spending is going crazy. Uh, that was up just 3% uh, year on year. But revenues in November dropped 71.5% year on year. 71.5% down. It's just uh, revenues are just disappearing. If we look at the 12 months of November, Hong Kong had a budget deficit of 37.5 billion, which compares with the surplus of 86.5 billion in the same period of last year. There's nothing in the data which tells me this is correcting itself. Now, this modest fiscal deficit may seem like the least of Hong Kong's problems right now, but unless the basic law is rewritten or unless Beijing decides to let them have a pass, this is going to have to be righted soon enough, either by taxes rising or spending being cut. Uh, neither of those look attractive um, options given the political situation. So I think we have to keep an eye on that and um, issue a modest red flag about it.